Alright, welcome to episode 324 of Global From Asia. This is a really treat, a big treat, a uh, very in-depth discussion about retail sales with e-commerce, post-COVID, or any time of the year. I think this will be a good one for, the, for many years to come. Let's dig in. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you everybody for choosing to download and listen to episode 324 of the Global From Asia podcast. Michael Michelini here, your fearless, fearless. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we're all fearless at this time, at least unless you're lying. I think we all have some fear. It's it's not, how was that saying? It's not about being afraid. It's about acting against the fear or in the face of fear, you still go forward. You still take action. You still keep chipping away, you know. So we might be afraid in today's crazy times, you know. I mean, a lot of us have been trying to find our footing in a new world, in a new decade, 2020, we are trying our best here at Global Major to give you the information, give you the confidence, give you the goods. Today's show is definitely going to be one of those. Steve Salikoff, I had the pleasure of meeting him in the Canton Fair and in the Global Sources show in Hong Kong. And he's a, he's a very talented, knowledgeable, experienced business person. And I'm really happy we got him on the show and he he really wouldn't wouldn't uh we really wouldn't get out of it i mean there's so much to talk about i felt like he's got books he's got programs he's got all kinds of amazing stuff but today i mean man you could just listen to this and uh, i i believe get a lot of actionable insights and that's what we like to do here at Global from asia we like to give and give and give and we hope that you are enjoying so steve is really diving deep into this and after the show, if you still have time, I think this is a really long one. I f feel like we're around an hour. I have to call my mom and dad. That's what that beep is on my phone. I try to call my mom and dad every week. But we will get into this in this episode. And after, this, after the interview, I will talk about some of my experiences selling to retail with some of my various products in over the years and it'll be a little bit extra insights and in some of my own mistakes i think you learn the most from mistakes and i'm the kind of guy that is not afraid to make fun of myself so if you want to hear some of those um i think you can learn from those as well after steve's amazing interview episode 324 global from asia we do have show notes as well check them out we try to put all as much information on there as possible. Let's dig in. We actually are upgrading our email system. If you're on our newsletter, you might have gotten some switching of emails. Uh, sorry for that. But we're making some huge upgrades in our processes and our systems and our team of 20 people, if you can believe that. I can't say full-time, but we have an amazing team making things happen. So we're making some huge upgrades. If you're not on our email list, you know, actually people like it. People were actually replying to me. They uh, when we were doing that transition, they're excited. We try to give some special offers first to, to hear about many things and more th amazing things to come with Global From Asia. Actually, there's a few things in the works. I mentioned some e-commerce gladiator, I mentioned some other things we're doing. Getting on an email list would be one of the best ways to make sure you're up to date. Globalfromasia.com slash subscribe. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another Global From Asia podcast. This is also in video form for those 
choosing to do our video. And it's a pleasure to get with us, Stephen Selikoff. Uh, we've I've gotten to see him speak at the Canton Fair and in the Global Sources Summit in Hong Kong. And uh, it's definitely a real pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for making it, Stephen. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's good to see you again. And frankly, I can't wait until we can see each other in person and uh, travel and everything else. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, we were chatting a little bit before the recording and yeah, I mean, this show is coming out in September 2020. So obviously, normally we'd be get everybody would be getting hyped up to you know about events and networking at Canton Fair and the Global Sources fairs and everything. But I don't think, uh, yeah, we don't think that might not be the opportunity this this year, 2020. You know, um, it was even rough in 2019. You know, I think we met and Hong Kong was on fire when we met. I mean, literally and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, things have been really, uh, really, I don't know what's the word, very uh, unique from the old days, you know, at least the days I know of the trade show seasons. But yeah, I do. I do look forward to meeting meeting in person again sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I, you know, today there's so much we could talk about. Uh, but I, you know, I think when I think of you, you know, I've learned from your speeches and your content about retail sales, you know, with, with Amazon or e-commerce in mind. So I think you're like a great bridge of content and knowledge for, uh, yeah. you know, e-commerce sellers trying to dabble into retail. And so that, that's kind of what I'd like to talk about today. And you are doing, you've done amazing things, Canton Fair experience. You're also running the Product Development Academy, which is your program. And uh, you also have an amazing book, which we'll talk about later, which is like the Bible. It seems it's a massive one. So that's a, that's a big treat for anybody. Um, so do you want to just add to that or is, you know, give us a little bit of well, background sure. about yourself? Um, so Canton Fair Experience, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, doing Product Development Academy, which has got more of a focus of exactly what you're talking about. Great. Um, what is the next step if you're already... Um, selling on Amazon and you're looking to take a a bigger step, broaden your audience. If you are a Shark Tank fan or an inventor um, looking to step into manufacturing and working with China, Um, or if you're a beginner that wants to take a different path, uh, the way I like to describe it is that all of us are looking at developing products and frankly using them to make money. So Amazon is, is one sales channel, a great platform, and selling to retailers is, is another one. And I started back in 2001 selling to retailers. Uh, and then I started um, uh, importing or developing and importing from China in 2005. Um, and I, I think you know that in 2006 when Amazon announced yeah. FBA, yeah, you were less, than, yeah. less than three weeks later I was, I was on FBA. Um, so, um, I have a little breath of experience in everything. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, I remember you're being one of the first on Amazon. I, I, I think, yeah. So just people realize there's, it's, it's a nice way of said, saying I'm old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I have to say I was, I was resisting FBA when I saw the program cause I was selling uh mostly on my website and eBay. I was doing the bar supplies and I just, I just, I use my own third party fulfillment and I remember I just didn't want to use their fulfillment, but I was wrong. You know, I, I, uh, 
I remember those days and uh, they were, man, we, we all had, I, I, it was just no idea. Nobody had any idea. I think even then Amazon was only, at least for me, like 10% of sales or it was not significant, I think for most sellers. Well, it, it, still, it still is. Um, a lot of sellers talk about Amazon and, uh, and, and they'll talk about percentages that um, just aren't accurate. I think that there's a little bit of misunderstanding of, of how big it is. First of all, uh, when you get outside the United States, for example, if you get into Australia, Amazon's still relatively new. Same thing in parts of, of, of Europe. But more importantly, in the U.S., it is a super strong uh, platform. It is the strongest, obviously, of all online platforms. But it's still, when you look at the, all of retail, it's just over 5%. And that is actually a huge change because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So here in the U.S., um, uh, Jeff Bezos was was called to testify in front of Congress. Yeah, he sat in front of Congress and he said, Amazon's uh, 4% of the retail market. What he didn't say was the fact that he was quoting from his letter of April last year when he, he wrote his famous apology letter to shareholders saying, hey, we've been miscalculating our market share. It's not 4.8%, it's 3.7%. And... Um, and he told all of his staff to always quote it as just under 4%. Well, it has grown 40%. And the, uh, the online e-commerce market has grown from 10% to 15%. So when you add all of that up, the numbers now come out to just over 5% wow. of the retail market. But that means that there is 85% of the retail market is still retail stores. And in the midst of COVID, um, those stores um, are still uh, going strong. Amazon, this is going to shock lots of people. In April, Amazon lost market share to walmart.com. And walmart.com is just kicking it right now. Yeah. So um, Amazon has, they had a great opportunity and they stumbled. I don't think they're going to stumble again if this sort of thing happens. They've learned their lessons. They're smart, but um, they let they let Walmart step in a little bit. And for everyone who's selling on e-commerce, if you're not thinking about expanding to Walmart.com right now or other .coms, you should be because it Walmart is where Amazon was, you know, in 2015. Jump on it. Start selling. Get some experience. You know, use totally it now. Agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing a lot of chat about that. And yeah, I mean, Walmart just had their earnings. I think their stock went up. They surprised and, or they beat their expectations. And uh, yeah, their, re their online retail is really doing well. So, so let's, uh, let's go to the, the mindset, you know, for going retail. I, I, I know you've, I always like your, your, the way, you know, you, you share things. So these e-commerce sellers, a lot of people just feel like, I don't know. I don't want to offend people, but a lot of times Amazon sellers are lazy. They're, they're, they're sitting on their, they have their, it's, you know, it's almost like a, I talked to somebody lately. They said like selling on Amazon versus non Amazon, like even a shopping, shopping cart, like Shopify or another channel is like a total different world. So that's what somebody, that's a whole discussion, but, and then retail, they feel like it's just so different. Like, how could I really go into retail? It just seems like a daunting, like, what do I need to set up? Plus, we mentioned FBA, so can you know? 
I, I don't know if that even, we could talk about that later, but what's the mindset somebody has to have, you know, to, to, to dabble into retail or get into retail? I think the mindset is once you, that, once you think of your own business as being a business and not a side gig, then retail is a natural step. And it's not, it's not that difficult. It's just that it's complex and there aren't thousands of videos on YouTube to watch for free. So there's a lot of myths and misunderstandings, but I'll be honest. I think retail is easier than, than Amazon. Um, so if anyone's lazy, it's, it's me. I would rather take the simple way out and make more money. I'm working. I, I just made it. You make one sale on Amazon, you sell one product. You make a sale to a, 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 an independent retailer, um, a specialty store, now you're selling in bulk. So immediately that one sale could be 18 products and then you're reordering again and again. So now you're looking at 36 products and, and so on. Or one sale to a big box retailer. Um, I, uh, even during COVID, I just landed a, a really nice retailer with 2,700 stores. Um, that's one sale and it is, you know, now you're talking life-changing. Agreed. Yeah. So I guess the thinking is, so I think you already answered this, but so we're in COVID or post COVID. Some people say retail is, you know, there's been some even articles, maybe it's like clickbait or whatever, but saying like retail is dead or, you know, you know, the, the acceleration of e-commerce is, you know, gone five, 10 years ahead because of COVID, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what would, what do you say to that uh, kind of? I would say, Read the numbers. Uh, the numbers I was telling you about just now, those were printed yeah, exactly, in yeah. S&P, Standard & Poor's. They were, came out yesterday. So I mean, those are accurate numbers. That's, that's, what the, that's the information coming out of their, uh, their, month, their quarterly reports and so on. Okay. But I think uh, the other thing to look at is what happens as stores open up. Uh, right now, retail stores, uh, small ones, uh, are, are facing big challenges because they're still paying their rent and their, their mortgages, and they've got stale inventory. They haven't been able to get customers in. But then as they open up, um, and we saw this just a couple of months ago as a couple of um, lockdowns were lifted, suddenly stores were growing at 17%, 21% year over year. Um, the the in-store experience is as much emotional as it is business. Uh, there's a term, retail therapy. People okay. feel good going into a store. Um, stores are built on the psychological and emotional aspect of shopping. So, so follow me uh, a moment. Think about this. We're going to talk about two different types of stores, the okay. big box stores and then the, the small independents and specialty stores. The moment you walk into a big box store and there's a good chance that you have a shopping list, you say, oh, I've got to go to the store to pick up grapes or shoelaces or, or um, I don't know, some sort of cleaning something for the car, whatever it is, when you go into that store, you give up that list the moment you grab a shopping cart because you are acknowledging that you're going to buy more than you can carry in your hands. You're going to buy more that's on your list and you immediately enter a scientifically driven design to get you to buy what you didn't expect to buy. 
the layout, the racetrack, the aisles, the width of the aisles, the height of the shelves, the lighting, this music, the, the fragrance in some stores, and of course, the packaging on, yeah. on each individual item. It's all built to get you to put something into that cart that was not on your list. <laughs> and uh, frankly, if you're, if you're like me, you get home and you say, oh, I forgot what I went for in the first place. So, Agreed. But that's all scientifically made. So if you've got a product that's new, and we all know that it's difficult to launch on Amazon, but if you've got a product that's new in a big box store, it's perfect. Because people, if they see it on the shelf, if it's got a compelling package with shelf impact, uh, if it is something that that sparks a, an emotion, a desire, or ring in the cart. And, and then it gets, it gets more, it gets more powerful because as we said, it's emotional retail therapy. There are some groups that treat um, shopping as a social occasion. You can go into any store from Walmart to Nordstrom's and, and you can easily see four or, 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 or five teenagers together, uh, boys and girls. Because they are going together. They, they are seeing this as a group thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you see best friends, you know, up, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, still walking along, talking, chatting, saying, oh, look at this, look at that. That social experience is not there. And then you have my favorites, which are the independents and the specialty stores, the gift stores, and so on. Completely different experience. Okay. There's no shopping cart. You walk in there. You don't have a shopping list for the. When someone walks into a specialty store, they're hoping to find something that they didn't expect. It's a treasure hunt. You know, they will walk up and down every single aisle. They will look at everything on the shelves. It's merchandise to capture their attention and say, "Look at this! Um, I'm grabbing a a vertical bento box." And I'm going to use that at work or whatever. No one's ever seen it before. And if they're excited about it, when they get home, they, they put it on social media. They tell their friends. They say, look at this. This is now, they get an emotional feeling of success because they have won the treasure producing a new product. You can't hope for anything better than that. That's what people get. And that experience for the customer combined with the fact that the buyer is purchasing in bulk, um, you can see why I love selling to, to retail. It, it really is powerful. Awesome. Yeah, I like it. I like the, it's true. Like those, I, I don't know if the, I've maybe used the wrong word. I could call it mom and pop, but yeah, I mean, or this mm-hmm. boutique or the specialty store, you know, or you go on a holiday, you know, you, you walk down the street on the, on a, a small town and you see a, a nice little store and the, the bells ring, you know, the ding, ding, you know, yes, you yes. The, you open the door and the little jingles and uh, yeah, it's totally different. I, I like that. Um, so, so maybe let, I, I think people listening or tuning in are probably interested in, you know, they, 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 it's not like they don't want to do it, but, and I know, you, you know, I kind of asked it before about when, but what, what, you know, the mindset we talked about it and, uh, 
should there be a certain sales volume? You know, do they need a certain te- skill set, a certain person, a certain type of product? You know, like, you know, um, it I guess- all it all it all yeah. starts with the product. It all starts with the product. It is, um, you know, people think, oh, it's it's great. I just want to find out how to make sales to retailers. And that is a complete art. Um, in our program, we've got one of the, the best ever um, who has so much experience in selling to, to big box retailers and so on. But it actually starts at the very beginning with the product. So you're choosing a product. And uh, everyone tells you to differentiate. I have a copy of um, Jack Trout's book, Differentiate or Die. That's, awesome. that's differentiating is so important. So you start off differentiating. And some people will look at the reviews that, you know, two, three-star reviews, and they say, okay, what's wrong? What could be made better? If you take that the next step um, and you say, what, how can I change this that no one else has changed? Now you're going to start creating a product that's, that's, that's ready for retail because it's going to be different than anything else that's out there. It's going to attract uh, people who are truly interested in the product. And when you come down to the very basics, now I'll tell you in, uh, in the book you had mentioned in our course, we go through a series of what's called phase gates, you know, go, no go decisions about whether or not you're going to create your product. But at its core, there's basically two decisions. One, do customers want it? And are they willing to pay for it at a level that it's going to be profitable? So if you have a product that you can differentiate so that it's not something already on the store shelves, and if you can make it at a a margin, at a, a multiplier high enough, that you can make money, then everything else starts becoming gravy. And, and, and it really is that simple. If you can do that, you're going to have success on Amazon and you're going to have success in retail. You're okay. not going to be worrying about competitors. And, and frankly, you could, uh, if you want to pursue it all the way, literally build a brand, build a business and make, uh, I hate to use this word because it's used by all the gurus, life-changing uh, amounts of money. Awesome. Yeah, this is, which goes to the next question. I think one we want to make sure we cover is, you know, how does revenue or this life, you know, does revenue compare on retail versus Amazon? Like you already kind of hinted towards it before you, you know, you got a big, you know, you get one big sale. You have, right? um, I don't have my, uh, I don't have my phone or my calculator, so I'll let you do the numbers on this. Okay. All right, let me get my, uh, go, go, f- go find your phone here. Okay. All right. Yep. So this, the retailer I was telling you about just landed a nice big retailer during, um, during COVID. Uh, they have 2,700 stores. Okay. And we are starting off with two products, but at the moment we'll just deal with one product just for making the math easy. Uh, we know from tests and similar stores that we sell 10.5 a week. But again, to make the math easy, let's just say we sell five a week. Okay. So if you take 2,700 stores times five a week, okay, and the, the revenue, the amount that we sell to the, the retailer, we sell, we sell retail, it's on the shelf for $19.99. We sell to the retailer at $9.99, so let's just say 10 Okay. And our profit is 
So multiply that out, whether you want to say 2,700 times five times 10, and that's the revenue or times four and the profit. Yeah. What does it come out per week? So a profit is 54,000 US. And then if it's uh, revenue is 135,000 US. Per week. Per week. Multiply yeah. it times 52. Yep. So yeah, multiplying seven, that by 52, you're looking yeah, at millions seven, of dollars. Seven million uh, re- top line. In revenue. Revenue, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then profit so is 2.8 mil. Yeah. And that is one of the two products that they're launching us with from one big box retailer. So that's just the revenue compared to Amazon. I don't know any um, product that will do that amount of revenue or profit on Amazon, but let's take it to the next step. Just practicality. Um, FOMO. You've heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, On Amazon, if you had, um, well, here we go. Let's say an Amazon I'll use my little bento box here. Let's say on Amazon that you started off with this little container and it sells really well. And you say, aha, I'm going to expand it and bring in another container. So now you've got two products. This is how you expand on Amazon. It sells really well. You bring out a third product and you're saying, great, I've got three products. This is my brand. It's selling really, really well. And if you want to keep on growing, maybe you'll expand to Amazon Germany or Amazon Australia or Amazon, Spain or UK or whatever. On, in retail, uh, you do the same thing. You sell the first one. It's great. You bring out the second and the third and you want to expand. Well, let me tell you something. If you're in Target, you're getting phone calls from Walmart. If you're in Walmart, you're getting phone calls from Target. If you're in Home Depot, Depot you're getting phone calls from Lowe's. If you are in CVS, you're getting phone calls from Walgreens and Walmart and target. So you're taking that success, which was um, whatever it is, uh, uh, 4,000. It's act, and I, I don't know have the numbers off the top of my head because I actually decreased the numbers for the yeah, math. Yeah. Um, but now you're going to introduce that to other retailers. So you're able to expand in multiple directions and you're able to then do the same thing as Amazon and expand into other countries. So success breeds success. And that's why um, uh, major retailers, that's why uh, celebrities and so on want to get involved in selling to retail. There's a, there's a woman who, who endorsed one of my products back, gosh, 15 years ago, uh, named Lisa Lillian. Uh, I love her. I will always be, be uh, grateful to her. She started an empire called Hungry Girl. And Hungry Girls sells cookbooks, they sell food, they sell cooking ware and everything else because products are incredibly um, profitable. Now, is it something, you know, if you, if you start with a Me Too product, you're not going to be able to grow like that. Retailers, if the retailers have a light bulb and they're selling 10,000 of this light bulb and you come along with a light bulb and you say it's the same thing, buy mine. Well, now when the customers come in, they're still going to buy 10,000 light bulbs. It's going to be split between yours and theirs. And it doesn't mean anything to the retailer. They want their, their cash register receipts to increase. They want their margins to increase for that category. They want their customers, the foot traffic to increase. So unless you're bringing something like that to the table, that's not going to happen. 
Got in it. the book, I use an example of um, tent pegs. So if you have a peg or a stake to put up your tent, that's great. If uh, there's already one on the shelves, they're not going to buy yours because the most that's going to happen is you're going to cannibalize the sales from the other. But if you suddenly have a tent stake that also has a little LED light on it so you don't trip over it at night, um, now they're saying, aha, this is a, you know, you've got a standard tent stake here. Now we've got a tent stake with LED lights at a different price point here. Our customers have a choice. We're going to be making more money because they're going to spend more money on an LED one. You get an influencer to talk about it, and now people are walking in the store saying, where's that wonderful tent stake with the light that I read about mm-hmm. online? Now you're bringing people into the store. They love that. And frankly, we all know it's going to happen. Someone's going to walk into that store and say, aha, tent stake with a light. I don't see it on Amazon. I'm going to put one on Amazon. So, of course, you want to be on an Amazon, but you're also going to be getting competitors. So what happens? Well, you already have a strategy for your product. So a bunch of people are, are aiming at you and saying, we're going to come out with tents, tent pegs with lights. And you're saying, that's okay. Go ahead and copy it because I've got a tent stake with a light and it's got an a ultrasonic mosquito repeller. Mm-hmm. So when they're aiming for you here, you've already taken six steps over there and you've got the next one. So, so if you think like that, then you are built for retail. And, and, um, and all of this, and I, I think it's, it's, it, it'll start clicking, but all of this works just as well on Amazon because suddenly you don't have competitors. Um, I love the book uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. He calls it a monopoly of one. And you become a monopoly of one because you're the only ones out there. You can focus on what's the next thing going to be. Is it going to be tent pegs with mosquito repellent and, um, you know, who knows, it, uh, magnetic. So they all stick together when you, when you carry them. You're able to focus on your product and its development and what's the next product and variations. And everyone else is focused on, well, let's copy that tent peg with the light on it which is, you know, that's your history already. I like it. Yeah. You always, you always try to be one or six steps ahead. And then, uh, yeah, you can never sit in your laurels. You know, if you, if, you know, innovate or die, I think is a saying, or, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you're not, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a book name actually, but uh, it yeah. is, it, it is, it's Jeffrey Gittimer and I've had a chance to have lunch with him. Brilliant sales. Uh, yeah. Innovate or die. Absolutely. Yeah, and this is differentiator die, which is the, yeah, the predecessor of Jack Trout. Great. So I'll jump to a couple more questions. It's been fascinating already. One is, uh, I think some people think, even I think, you know, do, you know, do we need to be in the U.S. to have somebody in the U.S. physically? Um, you know, I think you need to be on the phone. You need, or somebody has to be on the phone. You know, uh, I think that's probably required. Or, I mean, what's your feedback on that? Not, not anymore, and particularly because of COVID. So you need to have your, your inventory in the U.S., particularly as f- for big box stores, but even for, for smaller stores, tables, top stores, home decor, kitchenware. It's okay. You don't have to be in the U.S. What you do need is a 3PL solution. Yep. And everyone right now is becoming, by necessity, experts in a 3PL solution. Here's, here's a great thing to realize. 3PL is not a warehouse. 
3PL is a third-party logistics provider. So they can provide so much for you. Is it a warehouse where you're just going cross dock and sending stuff out? Is it pick and pack where you're sending stuff out to, to customers and then you could do drop ship like with Wayfair? Um, I had a, a 3PL in Maryland that did my pick and pack. They did my cross dock. They were sending stuff out to, to, uh, to retailers. They were also doing all of the commissions to my sales force. Wow. Uh, they were sending out samples to, um, uh, to retailers as okay. samples needed to be sent out. They were doing accounts receivable. They were even doing collections. Amazing. And um, uh, at that time, I, I was married. My wife was disabled. I wanted the solution that allowed me to focus on my wife when I needed to. Got it. And have the 3PL take care of all of that. Okay. Um, so absolutely, you do not need to be in the U.S. And, uh, and even better... These days, buyer meetings, now the buyer is the person that buys for big box stores. Buyer meetings are happening just like, just like, like you and I are talking stuff, right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. People are learning you don't have to get on a plane and travel. Okay. And that's a wonderful realization. It makes it so much easier for people to live anywhere in the world, have a laptop lifestyle, and still sell to retailers. Great. Um, that kind of answers with the trade shows. Maybe that's also not being as necessary then with COVID. You know, obviously, even Canton Fair and others aren't global sources. This is not happening this year. So I guess the same probably for, you know, a lot of times people would say go to industry trade shows to get, get these accounts, get these deals. Uh, it probably still is helpful when it is open, right? It, but It is helpful when it's open. Um, the, um, there are, there's an entire infrastructure for selling to retailers that, that's, that's invisible to most people. There are special trade shows. There are actual uh, complexes. Both Atlanta and Las Vegas have, uh, Atlanta has the America's Mart, Las Vegas has the World Trade Mart. Okay. Um, and, and each of these buildings have showrooms and retailers can, twice a year they have shows where the retailers come in from all over the world and they walk through the showrooms to, Products are merchandised, so they're displayed out okay. for people to see them. Um, that's a great opportunity, but here's the part that, that, that's even more beautiful. So these showrooms have a sales staff, and that sales staff is going to show your product off. They're going to say, hey, look, this is an hourglass made with little, a little moose. Because oh, cool. Everyone needs a moose on an hourglass. Um, <laughs> And that's wonderful and great for the week and a half, the week that the show is there. But when the show closes down, those salespeople go out to their regions and they travel around from store to store to store on your behalf, selling your little hourglass <laughs> with the mooses, um, yeah. and, 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 and making money for you. Um, the sales staff might focus on, on a particular retailer. They might focus on, big box stores. So again, you don't have to be there. If your product is compelling and you've got a sales staff selling you, it always helps to be there, but it's less and less necessary. And those shows are closed down at the moment. Uh, I had a fabulous, a fabulous space at the uh, International Home and Houseware Show. It's been renamed now. And they canceled it because of COVID. Mm. And then they brought it back for next February. And they were kind enough to give us the same space. And again, that was canceled. So now it's going to be August of next year. 
Um, And they've given us the same space again, which I'm very, very thankful for. But when that opens up, I will definitely be there. I want to talk about my product. If you live in Singapore or you live in China or you live in Germany or Australia, I mean, these days it's not that difficult to hop on an airplane. And if you can turn around, hop on an airplane and have some meetings and suddenly you're in, you know, 200 uh, 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 specialty stores, it's worth it. It's worth getting on the plane for a few hours. Uh, People get to know you and, and your product. So you don't have to, but it's still very useful. Sure. So my last, I think, main question is, I think some people think about the payment terms, the financing, there's net 30 or 60. I mean, that's probably the terms of these big box. Uh, Don't know if you want, I mean, give us a little bit of insight. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So in the U.S., a lot of big box stores are at 60 days, some are even at 90 days uh, net. Um, in, uh, in Europe, there's still shorter payment terms and for uh, um, independent retailers, specialties, mom and pops, as you call them, um, frankly, don't give them terms, not unless you've had them for a while. They'll pay up front and, and surprised Amazon sellers, they pay for the shipping. Isn't that a nice thing to know? <laughs> yeah, <that's- laughs> so, uh, plus you have business rules. So you have multiples and MOQs. So uh, yes, they may fall in love with the with the moose, but they have to buy six or eight at a time. Um, and there may be an MOQ or a minimum uh, uh, amount to be spent. So the first order, maybe they have to spend $250 and then follow up orders, maybe 150. You get to set all of, all of these rules. Got it. The challenge becomes your cash flow. Yeah. And cash flow is uh, to look at the cash flow, flow, I'm going to approach it the same way they taught us in accounting in college, the same way they teach CPAs. So it's a little bit different than what you see um, in the, the Amazon uh, structure of cash flow. If you have product that you have created and it goes into a store on January 1st and it's going to be sold out in two months, so March 1st, it's going to be gone, you need more inventory to put on those shelves on March 1st. So uh, give it 30-day lead time of production, 30 days for shipping. On the day your products go into the store on on January 1st, you also have to start production so that by the day you sell out, your new product is showing up and then so on. So every two months, uh, you better have a new order started. And when you're looking at an order of $300,000, you say, wow, that can... How do you do that? Well, yeah. you do it a couple of ways. Number one, um, you do it with your negotiation. You set yourself up where you're helping out the factory and covering their raw materials up front. So maybe it's 12%, 15%, 16%. You pay that up front. And then you set up terms so that the balance is paid 60 days after receipt of BOL or in cases of some retailers, literally they'll, they'll purchase it uh, in China at the dock, so they're just buying by the container load, which is pretty common. Um, but either way, now you're at either um, the BOL uh, gets transferred when, it, when the boat leaves the dock, so you're 30 days out, you've got receipt, now you're looking at 30 or 60 days after that. So you put 15% down on January 1st, you don't pay the balance until uh, February 1st plus 60 days March 1st, April 1st. So you're not paying the balance until April 1st. Well, that's fabulous. Now it gets a little more complex 
because what happens is you deliver your next set of, of products and they arrive on March 1st, just in time to replace the inventory. But you're not going to get paid for the ones you brought in in January for 60 or 90 days out. So what do you do? It is very standard in the industry. If you don't have the cash on hand, and, and there's lots of ways of doing that, all sorts of ways of financing cash on hand from investors to revenue-based loans, transactional loans, even UPS does it. You can get money from UPS to launch your product. Great. But uh, let's say you don't, you can also do AR financing. So under, under AR financing, the moment you have that accounts receivable, you get 85% of that in your pocket. So a, a $300,000 uh, order, which costs you 30000 or uh, $45,000 to, uh, to start, you suddenly have whatever the retail cost of that is, let's say it's a million dollars, you get 85% of that. So now you have $850,000 in your pocket. No problem. Pay your factory. Don't even wait the 60 days. Pay it that next day. They'll be thrilled to work with you. And then when the rest of that comes in, the AR financing will give you that 15% minus their 3% charge, whatever. And you set it up like that. So there's lots of standardized cash flow solutions um, that's being done and has been done in the industry for years. It's just not the type of stuff that's, that's um, apparent to Amazon people because they haven't been exposed to it yet. But none of this is new. It's all standard. It's done. Nobody expects someone to have you know, $10 million in their back pocket to, to pay for all this. Um, it's just a different game. People treat you like, uh, uh, I don't want to use the wrong word. I'll say treat you like a grown-up. They treat you like an importer that recognizes where that money is. And, and here's one more. In the U.S., there's even an import-export bank just for importers. Now, you're not going to have access to that as a um, uh, selling a product, but financing for import-exports, that's just talk to your banker, and they'll walk you through all of their, their, their financial products. Even LOCs is another option. So, yeah, it definitely can be done, and it's Great. nothing to be hold you back yeah it's amazing really i appreciate all this inv valuable information um yeah i mean we're kind of past our normal time i, I really appreciate everything i'm sorry <laughs> no it's good it's good i don't want to i don't i i guess maybe for the final it's we got through most of my question basically through the questions i think the last one is i always try to have like you know, what action can somebody do maybe they're they're selling on amazon or e-commerce or their shopping cart and then Maybe they want to get into retail. Uh, I definitely think we'll, we'll talk about your book too and your, your academy, but uh, what's something they can do? Like a, a small, maybe a step or, or, or action or, or, or thought process change, I guess. What would you say is something they should do? First? The first thing to do is just literally dip your toe in the water. See what it's like. Uh, and that's actually a lot easier than they think. Now, it's not going to be simple right now during COVID lockdowns. Um, but just so that you can prepare yourself for hopefully in a few months when lockdowns end, um, take your product, take your best-selling products, find those that are uh, the most unique or the most differentiated, um, your mouse that's red rather than any other color, and walk down the street, drive down the street, find local mom and pop, find a, a specialty store or an independent retailer, 
that sells, for whatever reason, would be selling a red mouse and walk in and say, hey, I've got this. It's been selling really well on Amazon. Uh, it's got some good traction. Uh, I'd love to, uh, to see if, are you interested in, in selling it? And, and the two things are going to happen. They're going to say yes, or they're going to say no. And either way, you have now learned about selling to retailers. If they say yes, they're going to ask you questions like, you know, what's the price? They're going to ask, they're going to use terms like keystoning, which means whatever they pay, they want to double the price that the customers mm -hmm. pay. Um, they're going to ask you about the multiples, how many do they buy at a time and stuff like that. And frankly, uh, we'll talk about the book in a moment, but all those terms are explained in the book and in the yep. course. But that conversation is a great one. Or they're going to say no, in which case you're going to say, well, why? And they'll say, well, because we already have red mice or because it's not appropriate for our store or something like that. Okay. And now you've learned just as much. You go into another store and walk into another store. That is the very best way of, of, of learning. And frankly, since the decision maker is the person that's in the store, you have a really good chance of making a sale and making some money. Definitely. It's great. It's great advice. Yeah. I think take, take action, test, test it. Yeah. Like what's the worst that it can say is no, right? Like you said. So um, thank you so much, Stephen, for your time today. Let's talk about the book. Uh, it's a massive book. I, 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 I mean, seriously, like, <laughs> It's, uh, you, I know you even have some promotions for it. I mean, this book should, is invaluable by itself. And you also have your, your program, your productdevelopmentacademy.com. Do you want to give us some insights about, about these so people that are interested with what you Sure. So Product Development Academy, uh, we take you through everything from the very beginning to coming up with product ideas. Because when you're coming up with unique products, you can't use the tools like Jungle Scout or Helium 10. Those are great tools for identifying existing products and analyzing them. But with new products, there's no history to look at and it can't magically have an eight ball and give you an idea. So we take you through a number of steps of coming up with new unique products. Then we take you through what are called phase gates. Uh, and it's fabulous because um, one of the experts that we have is a fellow named Victor who at Apple, he was, he was hired by Steve Jobs and he, Johnny Ivey, and he talks about that. He's third down. And he talks about the, the processes at Amazon. It's the exact same thing. It's the phase gates. And we take you through the phase gates to make sure that your product's profitable, that it's going to have customer demand, and so on. And awesome. then we take you through all the steps, design, development, choosing a factory, managing your factory remotely, which is even port, more important during um, – uh, COVID. Yeah. And the, the experts we have are, are incredible. Dave, who's one of our mentors, has helped develop products for Shark Tank winners, for Boeing, for Starbucks, and so on. Um, uh, Tim has, has put hundreds and hundreds of people into big box stores and dealing with purchase orders of, you know, um, you waking up in the morning and finding a million and a half dollar purchase order or more. Um, <laughs> That's what, that's what the world's like. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I've only been doing it for, for, with retailers for 15 years. And, and I've been in front of thousands of uh, the smaller stores. I love those. A good handful of, um, of big box stores. But I like surrounding myself by people who know even more. And in the program, you get all of us. Um, everyone that's taken the pro. This is fabulous. Every single person that's gone through Product Development Academy, every single one of them, says it's unlike anything they've done before. 
um, it is it fills in gaps and it gives them a um, an approach they've never seen before. But here is the problem: it's expensive. I know that it's expensive. <laughs> the goal is to keep it small, to give everyone personal attention, um, and uh, and I know that the price keeps rising, but the value is there. On the other hand, I know it was like. When I started off, I know what it's like to bootstrap. I know what it's like to, to, to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm working, you know, one job and maybe a side gig and I want to start this up. And that's why the book is out there because yeah. it doesn't have that personal attention or the experts, but all the information is here as well. And, and it's on Amazon and it is information you won't get anywhere else. We, we've been out at this point. Um, about just under 80 days and we are at 2780 something books so people are loving it it's information that's not found anywhere else it's you know industry thing to retailers what most people don't realize is that there are online platforms for selling to retailers, just like Amazon sells to consumers, there are retailer platforms that have tax ID that you have to be authorized and approved. But once you get there, you can get, you can buy stuff from uh, uh, from manufacturers, and you become a manufacturer. There's also some information on on, uh, on marketing, both sell to and sell through marketing, and and all of it's in the book. So when you are starting out and you're on a budget. Uh, I wanted to make sure that that the information was there as well. Um, and then go to the site. When you go to the site, productdevelopmentacademy.com, we'll let you know about promotions and there are occasionally free uh, downloads of the book for for people who are, are even tighter because good information is, is priceless. And um, uh, hopefully, you know, when you go out, you, you get a chance to have good, accurate information. You can structure your plans. You can structure your dreams. Um, and, and if this helps a little bit, then, then that's just, that's incredible. Yeah, it's great. I know um, the site has a lot. Also, you give away a lot of free downloadable stuff and everything. So, so thanks again yeah. for, for everything you do, um, sharing like on today's show and, uh, and uh, at these events and, and, uh, and your, your book and, and the program, which, which I agree with. I mean, yeah, it's, it's got to be expensive. I mean, you're giving away all this amazing stuff for free if people want the real time and access. That's, that's, that's you know, if they can budget it, so, they should, they should so let's. Let's give the, the alternative to that as well. Also, if somebody is stuck with a question, they read the book and they say, I don't understand this or whatever else. Um, you can also just get on the site and just ask for a free 20-minute consultation. Get me on the phone or on Zoom and I'll explain things. I'll, I'll help you out and stuff like that because um, that, that pays it forward. And yep. uh, that's really, really important. So uh, I'm there. I'm available. And... Uh, I want to see people succeed. I want to get people, give people a taste. It's not just Amazon. It's Amazon Plus. And that plus is such a wonderful, big world. Um, it's exciting. It's wonderful. I love it. I, I think that's a great, great time to, that's a great quote. We might use that in our show notes for sure. Um, <laughs> thank you so much again. And uh, I hope, yeah, I hope to see you in person someday, but it's always the internet. So someday soon. Thanks. Absolutely. We will see each other again. Actually, I came across a, um, a photo of us together just the other day. And I think there's also a, um, 
um, I think a YouTube video. video. Yeah, I did a quick video yeah. with you when I was. Yes. Well, I'll try to put it yeah, into yeah. the show notes. Yeah, I put a note to, to, so people want to see a little video of us. They can do that on the show on the show notes. Thanks again, Stephen. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, take care. Bye bye. Actually, this week when this show goes on, we're gonna have another amazing GFA VIP members call. This one's our knowledge series where Rollins in Taiwan is gonna be sharing some hacks and insights of Amazon FBA. He's actually been working on. He's been sharing me his slides. I, he's going above and beyond. I mean, I'm so amazed with our private community to share openly, uh, and that's what makes these online calls different. You know, they're they're small. There's not too many people 20, 30, 40 people. Actually, not, not even been that many yet. But people get to know each other. We're building relationships. Actually, I'm also studying ways to do more smaller groups on specific topics with all these new online tools coming out for calls. So if you want to get on the inside with what we're doing, GFA VIP it supports the show thank you thank you so much steve for sharing i mean really i was blown away i mean we could have kept going as always i mean that's the hardest part like how how to keep these short and we have so many more amazing interviews coming up um we got them already recorded already ready to go in a weekly schedule with uh people that can't figure out how to keep this stuff short i don't know i i don't know what a lot of you seem to appreciate shorter shows but We'll see how it goes. I mean, we're trying to give as much value as possible here. And I would say, I said in the intro, I would talk about some of my experiences. So I think I mentioned it in the interview, but I sold more mom and pop. I, I have sold some larger chains, but mom and pop is more my experience. They would basically find the product. I think they would even hear about the product from, uh, from their customers. That was what I learned. Sometimes these mom and pop short stores at one shop, five shops, ten shops. Maybe they're going bankrupt right now. That's really sad with the COVID. But they would they would call us up. Phones actually is really helpful with this stuff. They they like at least when we did this uh, with the bar supplies, they like to call and uh, talk to somebody. You know, I guess they maybe can do email now. But they would say, oh, people are asking about this product, or we heard this product. You know we had some cool ones that would like shoot limes into your Corona bottles and stuff. And they would just pick up a few case packs. It would be just really almost like a big customer. And sometimes we'd even sold to bartending schools. That was actually a really good, uh, channel of sales. Uh, you know, people, they're bundling it and then they would actually want to package it their own way and, uh, put their own logo on it. So, you know, you try to cater to these, People, I mean, I guess you got to choose who you want to do. I know with the Amazon world, we're all just selling B2C direct and just, uh, you know, streamlined automated. But I do believe retail stores, you do need to have at least somebody that likes to talk to them and uh, service them and cater to them and customize a bit. There's also some retail case packs, you know, because, you, you know, you go into these convenience stores or these stores, they um, they would have it so you would see some packaging a case pack, you know, 12, 24, 36 in a pack, and it would be on the shelf. And then you could, like, look at the product, look at the directions on the flap of the box, you know, of the carton box. So we had to design some of these carton boxes. Um, again, you might not have to worry about that if you're just doing pure e-commerce. But I think these are some adjustments adjustments we had to make. And we had no idea what we were doing. Andrew, my partner at the time, and, and I, we had no idea what we were doing. And you're just kind of listening to your user, but we would we would get these retail accounts, retail store accounts, and they were they were fun, you know. They were really small. I mean, almost just sometimes a a home 
customer would buy as many as these stores, but they just want to have some of these unique products. And uh, I think you should have a sell sheet, you know, like a PDF listing. How is your case packs? Do you have a retail packaging? You know, they like I mentioned earlier, and they would, uh, you know, how much does it cost for a carton, you know, multiple cartons? I never actually gave terms. Sometimes they would ask for terms, but they were so small, they just just pay me with their American Express or their credit card, you know, just make a special. You also want to decide, do you want to buy it off your website? You know, it's, I actually made like a wholesale section, like a subdomain, and I try not to index it in Google or password protect it so they could buy it and they felt all special. You kind of want to have a little bit of a special checkout, or you could just invoice them in like FreshBooks or some kind of a accounting software. But those are some of the adjustments and mistakes that we made. But you want them to feel special. You don't want to just say, oh, just go to the website and just put in 24 pieces, you know, and get the 24-piece price. I mean, you could probably technically make your shopping cart do that. But I, I would recommend that you actually have a kind of special hidden way. Even if the prices are the same to like a retail customer that buys 24, try to make people these retail stores feel like they're getting a price because they actually got to add profit, right? They got to make money. They got to charge more. Then, uh, and you also got to give enough margin, right? You got to think about that. You got to think about how much is your retail price? How much? That's where a lot of times factories in China or Asia would screw things up because they would just sell things so cheap on online that the stores couldn't buy because if you're selling, if you're, if your cost is two dollars and you sell for five dollars, the store can't really make money. We're going to do sell from for three, and then they. They, they have to sell it for five because you're selling it for five online. Sometimes they would actually hope you didn't even sell it on your website. Of course, now we have to sell everything online. But back five, ten years ago, they were hoping maybe you could just do just retail. Some people only did retail. And then the website would just list the stores. I remember seeing that. Of course, nowadays we got to sell online. But just giving you some of my stories, um, you know, they were not so technical. They would give you your credit card, their credit card number over the phone, you know, and I had to get like a PayPal terminal and I could just process their order for them. I, I think you did Stripe too, but they would just want to talk to you on the phone or sometimes they would email you a PDF of their scanned credit card and then they would just want you to actually run their card for them. They would just say, oh, just give, just give me another uh, 48 pieces and put it on my account and you would process their card for them um, luckily no chargebacks on those but uh, you know they're nice little this you know I think b2b is a great little way to kind of s- smooth out your cash flow you get these uh, incomes it would actually you know with our bar supplies we had decent amount of bartending schools and these mom and pop stores buying from us you know every three months six months you get a call you get a special email and they would just and they were nice you know you build relationships with these people you know that's that's what it's about so i think that's enough for my blah 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 session thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show we try our best here to deliver the goods deliver some valuable insights i hope you enjoy Thanks again, Michael. Michelini is my name, and that is enough for today. Got to call my mom and dad now. See you later. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.